2: The opinion line on Courts 96 FM. To someone who's demented from the lack of sleep. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. This lady writes to say my four and six year olds keep coming into our bed at different times of the night. It only started in the last few months. But the problem is, I'm a light sleeper. And once I'm awake, I'm wide awake. Please, can any of your listeners help me to. Help me to get the kids to stay in their own beds. Now, I love having the kids in bed, she says, but the lack of sleep is killing me. I also work full time and I need my rest. Help, says a frazzled mummy. Well, we might just have the solution to that. Lucy Wolf from Sleep Expert, uh, sleepmatters.ie. Lucy Wolf, good morning. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? Lucy, is the lack of sleep a major problem for everyone? It,
3: it is, it can be, yeah, for sure. Like, obviously, some people sleep incredibly well. Parents of young children are notoriously known to be frazzled, like this person has written in to say. And, you know, it is a problem and it affects every aspect of your life when you're not getting enough sleep, whether you have children or not.
2: How can it affect your life? What, what you know, your moods in particular?
3: Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I would say pretty much everything is impacted by not getting enough sleep. So your mood, your behavior, your concentration, your motivation, your appetite, you know, and I guess that has a big impact. And again, when children themselves aren't getting enough sleep, they in turn sometimes are maybe not their best selves either. And as a result, you know, they might be dealing with irritable, you know, more irritable than normal, maybe hard to, you know, less compliant and things like that. So I guess it's difficult. And as a result of that, first, we want to acknowledge that it's hard and to keep hear how difficult it is for parents who are struggling like the frazzled parent who's been in contact with you and to also acknowledge that this is very typical as well and young children go through lots of different stages of development as well as their development of sleep that has an impact on how they experience
2: it. We hear that uh, everybody should get eight hours sleep a night and then we hear (laughs) of others who said oh an aura will do me and I'm flying. Does it depend on the human him or herself?
3: Yeah, I guess generally speaking, the we aim for somewhere between seven to nine hours for adults, with, of course, some people needing a little bit more and some people needing a little bit less. Neuroscientist Matt Walker, he's kind of like a leading researcher in sleep. He encourages everyone to commit to at least seven hours. So that sort of means maybe doing the backward math based on what time you need to get up at for optimum health and well-being. But acknowledging there is going to be variability and the same as for children because young children have a higher sleep need than adults and as their sleep becomes organised in this first six-month period of life, their overnight sleep need ends up being somewhere between 10 and a half to 12 hours. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't without awakening, but that it's it's organised in that way and that we aim for those sort of totals uh, and again embracing the individuality that may exist.
2: Lucy, people who come to you and let's say uh, children and adults, since the the growth of the mobile phones do you find that you're dealing with more and more people who are uh, having difficulties in getting to sleep because like 9 out of 10 i reckon are glued to their mobile phone while they're in bed
3: yeah, the technology piece is um, a big part of one of the modern challenges that we experience. Now, I work with parents of young children. So, again, what they may be reporting is, um, you know, use of, use of screen to help relax a child or distract a child. And these things, I think they're quite normal and natural. And we embed them into our everyday lives within a range of what feels right for us as a parent. And, of course, then we model as the adult the use of, the, you know, the mobile phone or electronic media Generally speaking, I'm realistic because, look, I'm a parent of four children too, and we've done a number of different things in our own household as our children have grown. Um, I would be recommending maybe using, you know, un- stopping the use of, you know, technology, you know, an hour or two before bedtime. And we, we the same is re- recommended for adults, but it, that can be hard to do. So you're trying to find your own level with it. Obviously, we have more ways of managing, you know, the way we untie from tech with the young child because we can have those boundaries in place but again we do need to model it and especially as our children get older and we are need with our adolescents, that we perhaps are maybe putting down our mobile phones or you know having a you know a guidance that we don't have tech in the bedroom after a certain time and things like that so look like everything it's just trying to find your way in that feels right but also that doesn't f- if we take away technology for example we must replace it with something mm-hmm. so that we look if we're looking at turning off the TV by a certain time in advance of bed time then maybe we look at engaging in one-to-one time and this this is where we begin to create you know really lovely bedtime routines that then can begin to be extended as your child gets older
2: what are the what are the long-term dangers for someone who goes without sleep on a regular basis
3: Yeah. And I guess I suppose I don't ever really want to be, you know, talking about dangers, but we know that sleep's important because it supervises such a wide variety of biological maintenance jobs. So let's say long term, there are suggestions that not enough sleep leaves people vulnerable to certain illnesses and disease. And of course, in the short term, it can have a big impact on your mood, mental health, emotional health. So again, it is about trying to encourage people to prioritise their sleep. So a bit like you said earlier you know oh I'm grand I only get an hour of sleep or 4 hours sleep and I do fine but I wonder if we look at the sliding doors scenario of that. So just kind of understand that sleep is important. considered the third pillar of health, just as important as you, you know, your fitness regime and your diet. So again, if we just start to think of sleep in that context it, and then make it a priority within the family culture.
2: If you're not getting your seven or eight hours a night, is a cat nap like in the evening time or the afternoon, does that make up for lost time, for lost Well, growth. you
3: see, the, what, the suggestion is that lost sleep is sleep gone forever. However, of course we can look at, you know, catching up with a two phase sleep for example if you have you know if you're doing shift work then sometimes that's suggested however you have to proceed with caution so for example if you take a nap and then you find it really difficult to get to sleep at bedtime or you're reporting disturbed sleep overnight then it's possible that one phase of sleep is better for you but again if the two phases work so it's about trying to find out that individual piece and of course young children they do need naps and their nap need takes them up to about three years of age in general and again lots of times parents feel that if they cut daytime sleep they might improve nighttime sleep and that generally isn't the you know what happens because they're they're both needed until the young child is able to start to sleep on in one phase like we do
2: is if mom and dad are bad sleepers would it mean that uh, little Tommy and little Mary will be bad sleepers? Is it a hereditary condition?
3: Sometimes there is this kind of suggestion; that it is like a genetic inheritance of, let's say, not needing enough sleep or not getting enough sleep or having really disturbed sleep. But generally, what might be the case is that those are the kind of con- you know the conditions or the habits that are formed within the household, mm-hmm. and as a result, they get transferred. I would be of the opinion that everybody can be helped to you know initiate, achieve, and maintain their sleep in better ways, but but again, the more informed, educated and committed we become to it, then instead of just saying, oh, it's just the way it is. Um, of course, there are some children, for example, let's say they might be inclined to wake early and they're genetically predisposed to that based on their chronotype, the same way we have you know, late owls and larks in terms of a chronotype as we get older. But I generally tend not to rest on the premise that we've inherited this and in work towards. There's so many things that we can do to improve our sleep and some Sometimes they're really simple things like having a regularity to your day, exposure to bright and natural light, eating and drinking at regular intervals, getting you know, making sure that we do commit to outside activity and fresh air because that has a big impact on regulating sleeping patterns. And then having a have a, as well as having this regular wake time, that we have this corresponding regular bedtime too. And within that, we develop routines of care, like you know, like like children really benefit from bedtime routines, and we know, that by having bedtime routines and earlier bedtimes, we generally see longer um, sleep uh, tendencies in the overnight period. But the same is true for adults, that if we have a regularity to our sleep and if we program our brain and our bodies to relax, you know, and if we also prioritize our sleep environment, then we can continue to move the needle and um, enjoy the benefits of better, more
2: restful sleep. Who gets the most sleep, men or women, or who struggles most? Is there a breakdown?
3: Um, I, I don't know that um, to be true. I don't know that for if I'm honest with you, but what I would perhaps suggest it's possible that maybe women, if we were going to look at studies because of this, the you know, the huge hormonal in, uh, influence there and also the maternal care and um, that it isn't unusual that maybe some of that or more of that falls to the woman. But again, I don't know that for sure.
2: Caller in here says, I'm a mum and my daughter isn't leaving search at the moment. She's suffering badly from sleep deprivation. This is because she's having huge problems getting to sleep. Once asleep, she stays asleep, and it's getting to sleep is the problem. She has tried all the apps, she has tried all the phones, or she has tried no phones, no TV after a certain time at night. What can she do?
3: I know it's so difficult and again you know leaving search is a huge year and there's a lot of stress and anxiety related to that and we know that 40% of a lot of sleep challenges can be attributed to kind of stress and anxiety so again whilst I can hear that there's a prioritisation of the sleep of you know trying to create those sleep hygiene pieces that we've been talking about sleep's still elusive because perhaps there's a underlying stress and anxiety here because of the leaving certain and all that that brings. Sometimes the bedroom especially if we're using the bedroom to both study and sleep in it's there's not a big enough distinction so you know coming out of the bedroom maybe using you know studying in a different mm-hmm. space so that the bedroom is assigned to sleep itself specifically uh going to bed only when you're tired maybe having a kind of bedtime routine that happens outside of the bed where you you know change into your sleep where you're really just trying to show the brain and the body um that there is a difference between awake and alert to you know transit transitioning to sleep i'd be trying to embed in this you know some general stretching exercises, you know, you could look exploring mindfulness exercises too because it's about trying to learn to switch off as well because I, I'm imagining that maybe there's a racing of the mind going on which just creates this big tension between, you know, once you get into bed, the concern about not getting to sleep in of itself becomes one of the reasons why we are not able to sleep. So you know, often hear, you know, about breathing exercises and body scans that just yeah, kind of yeah. help make that transition.
2: Lucy, finally and briefly, where did your interest in sleeping bear? Um, habits come from?
3: Well, interesting. Yes, exactly. A sleep-deprived parent. <laughs> I was once a frazzled parent too, so that initiated my interest um, 21 years ago now. My oldest is going to be 21 and um, I've been in practice for over 12 years now working with families in that capacity because I just became interested, obsessed, if you like, and retraining in education in order to help and support parents in the way that I really felt
2: I needed to be. Could you not just tell them to give the kids a lash of calpol? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we are gone so far beyond that. Um, but often, you know, you, you'll do anything. But again, just looking at, you know, the things that really help and of the course. things that hinder you. All know. right.
2: Lucy, lovely talking to you. And if people want to get in touch with you, it's www.sleepmatters.ie. And you're based in Cork, Lucy. I am indeed. I'm in Douglas. All right. Okay. So that's www.sleepmatters.ie Lucy Wolf, uh, sleep expert. Lucy, thank you very much indeed for talking to us and uh, enjoy a good night's sleep.
3: Thank you so much. All the best. God bless.
2: We're talking to Vanessa following our conversation with Lucy Wolf, who was uh, who is a sleep expert. Vanessa, good morning. Good
4: morning, Paul. How are
2: you? I'm good. Did you get a good night's sleep last evening?
4: I did. I really did.
2: And how did baby Ushin sleep?
4: He slept like a rock. Ushin um, usually sleeps from about seven, half seven at night, right through until half five, six.
2: That's quite a considerable amount of time. Some parents would be absolutely thrilled to be in your place. But Ushin is sleeping with you.
4: Yes, he's nine months old. Um, we have coast left, well, bed shared um, since pretty much since he was born. Uh, I did, obviously I was in hospital for a week and when I brought him home, I put him into a Moses basket. Um, and what I was finding was he was kind of jumping out of his sleep. Now, that's normal because uh, th- there's a thing called the moral reflex. Mm-hmm. So they feel like they're falling, but he was doing that all the time. Um, every 15-20 minutes, so he was waking himself up and waking himself up. Um, I continued on with it, uh, he was getting more and more anxious, more and more upset, and eventually I just said, you know what, I have to weigh up the benefits, I have to weigh up the cons, uh, risk the idea of SIDS, mm. and just take him into the bed with me.
2: Some people will say that you're now on a road to hell, because this is where Ushing will spend the rest of his life in bed with mum.
4: I I don't see it that way. I mean, how many people had their children in the bed? Like, if you look at anywhere beyond the Western world, um, co sleeping and bed sharing is something that happens regularly, and you don't see them sleeping with mum at ten, eleven, twelve years old, uh, or thirty, forty years old. You know, that that doesn't happen. And it's the same it's the same argument that says you know, um, holding your baby too much. Is spoiling them, they're uh, ruining them. It doesn't. It actually makes them feel more secure. He sleeps better. Uh, now I wouldn't recommend it for everyone by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just what works for us.
2: And when Ushin is in bed with you, or in bed with your husband, does he get a better sleep with you, or with the hubby?
4: Um, well, we all share the bed. It's a, it's a large bed. Um, but he, he sleeps fine with either of us. Mm-hmm. But as long as he's as there's someone in the bed with him.
2: And when Um, he was in the cot, he was waking every 15 or 20 minutes. What way would he be then the next day?
4: Oh, he was an absolute nightmare. God love him. I love my son, but he was so upset. He was so anxious. He would make strange. And I tried, just to to put people's mind at ease, I tried the cot. I tried the Moses basket. I tried the next to me cot. uh, A lot of different things and it just didn't make a difference he was still having that reflex he wanted to be next to someone because one of the things that he likes to do is put his hand on my chest or put his head on my chest so he can hear my heartbeat Um, and that's just a natural thing especially for young babies they do like to be close Mm -hmm. to a caregiver feel the warmth and feel the heartbeat and hear the heartbeat Um, and so for us it just works
2: had you ever considered when he was in the the cotton irritable? Had you ever considered taking him to um, to see somebody who may see if he's you know anything wrong? You know that you know stomach aches or anything like that colic.
4: He did not have colic. Um, it was just the, the fact that he felt insecure in the cots. Um that it was that simple. I took him to uh, a sleep expert in in Dublin, and um, I spoke to my own GP. I spoke to the uh, paediatric specialist in the Coombe, um, and they all said the same thing. There is absolutely nothing wrong with him. He's a normal baby, um, and and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. Well, on the nights where he would sleep uh, co-sleep or he would um, bed share, because there is a difference. Um, when he would bedshare, first of all, flat mattress, firm mattress, the blanket, it was a light blanket and it would be wrapped around his waist. Um, it would never go higher than his waist. There was no pillows around him, as what this uh, specialist, if you are going to do it, that's what they recommend.
2: And is Usheen your um, firstborn?
4: He is. He is.
2: And is there any history of um, bad sleeping patterns in the family?
4: for me yeah i've I've had insomnia since I was about eight or nine right so that that last um message that you read out, I can completely understand um and I went again, I went to speech, uh, sleep specialist, and I found that it was getting to sleep it wasn't sleeping um so for me, I found resting was more important than sleep. I'd sleep between three and five hours, Mm -hmm. uh, but resting because a lot of the time the compulsion is to kind of toss and turn and twist and try to get yourself more comfortable. I learned meditation techniques uh, and just rested my body and spent the time trying to relax the muscles, keep my eyes closed and just rest the body uh, and eventually the mind followed.
2: And when you had sleeping problems yourself, like your mind was racing, was there anything on your mind that, um, that would have kept you awake?
4: No, not particularly. Not particularly. Sometimes it was just the lights of the day or the, the, um, the goings of the day. Sometimes I literally didn't have anything. Um, again, the, the meditation helped to clear the mind, mm. but that still didn't switch off the brain.
2: I do um, suffer at times, you know, not able to get to sleep. And I I, I switch on um, the, the phone. There might be an app where I'm listening to thunder and lightning, rain, owls hooting, sounds from the jungle. Uh, ASMR, and it does, yeah. It, it does help you to switch off.
4: Sometimes. Sometimes. Again, it depends on what state of mind you're in. Um, I have bipolar disorder, so sometimes it's just the fact of being that my mood's... I'm not able to regulate my moods and therefore I'm not able to regulate my sleep Mm
2: -hmm. so and Oshin, a happy little bunny at the moment
4: oh unbelievably so and I mean what's great about Oshin at the moment is he's he's actually trying to walk before he can crawl Um, but you put him in the hands of anyone and the big smiles come he's trying to jump he's trying to uh, get a hold of people he wants to engage Now, I'm not saying that's because of uh, co-sleeping. It's because he's resting. He's getting a full night's sleep. And he he sleeps about two hours then during the day for one of the naps. Um, I don't know if you can hear him. He's squealing in the background uh, playing with his toys. (laughs) And
2: do do you catch up with sleep then yourself during those two hours as well?
4: Um, I don't need to because I'll sleep soundly. I'm a a light sleeper. So um, if he does have an issue, you regulate your brain. So if he does have an issue, you wake up. If he's crying, you wake up nine times out of ten. If he does stir, it's because he wants a soother. Um, But yeah, I get a good night's sleep. Um, What they don't tell you about having a child, by the way. Yes, it's exhausting. It is physically demanding. It's exhausting. It's the emotional strain Mm -hmm. that actually makes you uh, so exhausted. And the anxiety of being a parent, of things going wrong, that you know it's not going to go wrong but it's the emotional drain that actually wears you out
2: tell me about it I do know of somebody who um, suffered from lack of sleep shortly after birth uh, after they gave birth and they beat a sweeping brush across their husband's back <laughs> poor husband I, I can yeah, not un- to understand. be honest with you I, I, it took me a while to recover from that beating yeah. <laughs> be
4: honest with you <laughs> you see, I I sleep more securely because I know he's getting a good night's sleep too. Yes, I understand. Um, Now, when the time comes, I do every so often I put him into the cot. Um, I will encourage him to sleep independently. Uh, Sometimes he does and he wakes up about four o'clock wanting to be be close and he'll go back to sleep until about seven o'clock. But he will still wake up three times in the night if I put him in the cot. I know for myself... He will tell me when he's ready to sleep independently and I will encourage it as much as I can. But I'm not going to sacrifice his good night's sleep for my peace, if you know, or for independence. Um, I want him to be a secure, confident child. And if that means that feeling comforted and feeling secure uh, next to me makes him that more bit more confident and makes him feel that more secure then I'm going to do it. Again, it it comes back to the idea that you cannot spoil a child with time. You can't spoil them by holding them in your arms. It just doesn't happen. They decide then when they're ready to be independent. I will encourage it as much as I can (laughs)
2: All right. Vanessa, listen, thank you so much for indeed for talking to us. It's been my fascinating. Pleasure, and my um, continued good night sleep with you and Ushin and, and, and yeah. Hobie. Thanks a million. Enjoy your weekend. Have
4: a great Easter. Bye guys.
2: That's Vanessa who is talking to us about uh Ushin, her little baby who she sleeps with. Courts ninety six FM.